Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to begin there in verse 22. That's our text. I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to back up and then go forward. So if you're there, say amen. Amen. All right. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May God bless the reading of His Word this morning. So we're back here in Genesis. Or not Genesis, I I love the book of Genesis. By the way, I listen to it every night before I go to bed, and so if you you catch me saying that a lot... um, It's because I listen to it every night before I go to bed, so it's always on my mind. But we're back in Galatians, nevertheless, and we left off uh, with this really, really, really bad list of sins. That's where we left off at. The last time we was in Galatians, we left off with the works of the works of the flesh. The the works of the flesh. Y'all know how my brain is. I... uh, I get sidetracked by any little old thing, so uh, sorry. The works of the flesh, and this is what we see here in verses 16 through 21. Now let's jump down to verse 19, and I want to share this with you. Uh, as we start in chapter tw- or in verse 22, listen to what 19 says. Now these, now the works of the flesh are evident. These are the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, and idolatry. When we start there with just that alone, if the church in Galatia was dealing with that, and if the church today is dealing with that, don't we think it's necessary that we bring those things out and preach over those very things? See, what happens is we like to go around them, and we can't, can we? We can't cherry pick what we preach. We can't cherry pick what the Lord has in His Word. It goes verse by verse, precept by precept, line upon line. You cannot go around these things, so you have to plow right through the middle of them. Bester is from South Africa, are you not? You know how to run a plow, don't you? You're here on a work visa, right? You can't plow around things, can you? You got to plow straight through it, don't you? Yeah, you got to you got to go straight on. What happens if you plow around something? Then when you plow around it, then everything else next is going to be is going to be curved. And then all your rows are going to be what? Crooked. You got to plow a straight line. Same thing we do when we look through God's word. We got to plow a straight line. We have to go straight through it. Verse by verse, line upon line. So, Paul tells us to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify these things that are mentioned in verses 19 through 21. Which are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, 
jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I never caught on to that things like these before until not too long ago. Because, you know, when a lot of times when you give a list, people are quick to say, okay, I can check that one, check that one, check that one, check that one, check that one. But what Paul is saying is, here's just the tip of the iceberg. Anything that goes against the Spirit and that goes against the holiness and the righteousness of God can be included in this list. This is not just all that we have to look out for. This is not a checklist. At the end of it, it says, of thing and things like these. So it just doesn't end with orgies. It's things like these. And we could dive into every one of these sins, but I don't want to revel in those today. We know what they are. The Scripture calls them out very clearly. Matter of fact, we've already went over this text. But it's important that we bring it back out in order that we may understand the the stark contrast between that and the fruits of the Spirit. Listen to what it says. Also understand before I go any further, these are things that a person can choose. These are chosen sins. By those that choose to walk in the flesh. you got to know that. This is something that we have to understand. Each one of these can be chosen to do. We can, we can go and we can choose to get drunk. And you can go and, and get into that. And we know that that is a path that leads to destruction. We can choose to be jealous and have strife and enmity. Have that hatred by letting things overtake us and overrun us. However, the fruit of the Spirit is far different than that. Because you see, when you inherit the Spirit of God, you don't choose all of these things. They come out of you naturally. And we're going to get into that. But Paul tells us in 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify these things. In 19 through 21. Beginning in verse 22 is the famous fruit of the Spirit. Understand that the fruit comes as a package deal. It's a bundle. Years ago when all of the the TVs and everything, they were trying to adjust to the markets, they began to add all of these bundle deals. You all remember that? Y'all might still be on a bundle. If you are, you're probably getting ripped off. (laughs) You might want to reconsider going going another direction if you're on a bundle, bundle package. Nevertheless, nevertheless, y'all remember what I'm talking about. Bundle now and save. Bundle, bundle, bundle. Well, unlike the workings of the flesh, which can be, each one can be picked and, and, and done and, and gone out and exercised, the fruit of the Spirit is not quite like that. This is a bundle or a package deal. It's a package deal. Fruit we know in the text is singular. 
Miss Martha always shares that with me every time I talk about the fruit of the Spirit. She says, you know that the fruit is singular. Because it is. And from the Spirit of God that's dwelling within us comes out all of these different things. It's like this. We have a stem. And it's a, it's a 14, 14 year old stem of flowers, a bouquet. 14 or 15, I don't know. Is it 15 yet? We don't know. Uh, time flies, years go by, we don't know. We just enjoy the ride. That needs to be on a card. <laughs> that was really good. I'm glad I got this on sermon audio. Anyways, so. So the fruit of the Spirit is like a bouquet. And, it's, and all of these different flowers are in there. You have, you have little ones, you have big ones, you have different color. But it all comes from the same spot. Okay? It all comes from the same spot. And, and, and I was listening to a sermon by John Piper on this. And he, was, he used this very illustration about a bouquet. And how all these fruits come out and, and they are... These are, these are graces from God that come out. And they can't help but to come out in the child of God. Amen. They're all beautiful. They're all lovely. They're all different. And they all come from the same place. Okay? They all come from the same place. These graces that come from the fruit, that come from the Spirit, these graces will be present in a believer. Do we believe that this morning? They will be present in a believer. With that being said, not all of these heavenly graces grow at the same pace in a believer's life. Right? We struggle, don't we? Yes, we do. How many people can say the struggle is real, y'all? Amen. The struggle is, what is real. They don't all grow at the same pace at the same time. The question is whether or not they are there or if you are completely void of them altogether. Because we see that it's a package deal, so you can't get around having all of them, but we can have all of them at different degrees. And I'm going to give you, for instance, here in just a little bit. Before we go any further, let's place these passages in their proper context. We have to apply what is being said to the church of Galatia then. And what was being said, it's been a while, so let me recap it. It's this. The Judaizers came into the church and they were spreading a false doctrine that said this. That for salvation, it was essential for you to be circumcised. For salvation, it was essential for you to keep the workings of the law. That was their game. That's that's what they came in with. And so we have to place this in proper context. 
Let's apply this to the text. And in a nutshell, it's this, this is it. Listen to me. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be obtained by working the law. This is what Paul is telling the church. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be obtained by working the law. The fruit of the Spirit is something that is divine. It is something that is lovely. It is something that is not from down here, but comes from above. It is not going to be obtained by checking off a mark list. You're not going to get the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that way. It just doesn't happen. You can't get it by working the law. So where does it come from? It comes from the Spirit. Where does the Spirit come from? It comes from above. All good and perfect gifts are, are from above, right? Amen. Paul is showing us clearly that if you're going to try to keep the law, then all it's going to do is bring about more law. That's it. If you want to make the check marks and, and, and check these things off in your life, then you're going to continue to do it the rest of your life. And you're going to always fall short because that's what the Scripture teaches us. It's going to bring about more law and bring about more law. We can't, we can't even keep the law. We break, we break the law... Ten minutes after we wake up. In our hearts. Even as a child of God. And this is why it's so critical that we walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And Paul is telling us, he is showing us this. He's saying you need something from above, not something that can be attained by working the law. You need something special. You need the Spirit. That third person of the Trinity. That voice, that still small voice inside that says, you're wrong, or you're right, or show this person love, or go rebuke that person in gentleness. Don't steal that. Those of you children of God know what the the Spirit of God sounds like inside when it speaks to you. It leads you in the paths of righteousness, doesn't it? That's what Jesus said it would do when it came. And we know on Pentecost that it happened. It came and 3,000 were saved on that very day by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it is still going strong today. People are still being saved across the globe. The Spirit of God is still working. He is still moving and I praise God for that. I'm a work in progress. He is still chipping away at me. He is still carving and cutting on me and forming me into what ought to be. I've seen those guys that that do sculpting. And they take a hammer and they take a chisel and they begin to take away at the big stone that's before them. And before long, maybe years go by, and then they have a beautiful work of art in front of them. And this is what happens when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us. He changes us. We're not the same as what we used to be. Paul is 
showing the Judaizers and the church the difference between what they have and what Paul and the true church has. There's a lot of people that just want to check off the box. They just want to keep the law. But they don't want to yield to the Spirit. They want to do the outward workings of the law, but they don't want to yield to the inward working of the Spirit. And there's a big difference. There is a big, big difference. Listen to the text. But the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I've heard a lot of different people try to start with the first one and then the rest of them progress out of that and where I would say that's a little far-fetched. I I do think that the first one is in its proper place because there's nothing greater than love. 1 Corinthians tells us that very clearly. Love what? Never fails. It's the greatest. And so it kind of it kind of stands out in that bouquet as that prettiest that prettiest flower. But around it are beautiful flowers as well that I would say equal but I, I can't hardly go quite there. Um, 1 Corinthians tells us that love is the greatest. Obviously it's mentioned first because Love never fails, and it's, we know that it's only because of the love of Christ that he had on us while we were yet sinners that we're able to love in the first place, and so, which started that relationship, and so we know that it's, it is the greatest. But following that are all, there's, there's eight more that are equally as true, that are, that are beautiful, in themselves. And much like the, the ones, the, the, the bad ones, the works of the flesh in 19 through 21, it ends there. Listen to what it, what it says in verse 23. Gentleness, self-control against such things, against such things. So it doesn't just stop with nine There's a lot of things that the Spirit shows us and tells us to do that impresses upon our hearts. And it's not just a checklist in the Spirit as we have here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It ain't just those nine, but there's more that the Spirit gives to us in a daily walk as we walk with Him. It's not just these. But we know that eight more come after that love. And so you see a, a picture of this, this spring head. And out from it issues this beautiful fruit that we can see in the child of God's life. I've spent a lot of time in Kentucky and unlike Louisiana where the spring heads are kind of soupy and marshy. They're not so much so in Kentucky. They come out of the side of rocks. And you can see them very clearly where that spring head is. And the fruit of the Spirit is a lot like that. It, it's been placed there inside the child of God by the Holy Spirit. And coming out of that, issuing from that, 
you see these workings of the Spirit. You can't get away from them. They are there. My question is, do you have these? Are they present? At different points in life, it seems that we may have one more than the other. Right? Let me give you for instance. Through sin, our joy can be taken. Not completely. But it can be robbed from us, can't it? Can it? Yes or no? Our joy can be robbed from us. There is no doubt about it. The entire life of David. I have been studying the entire life of David. It was like David's joy. He was constantly trying to get his joy back because he would do something and lose it. And then he would seek the Lord's face and he would receive it again. Listen to what he says as he cries out after he had that terrible relationship with Bathsheba where he committed adultery. Listen to what Psalms 51.8 says. David cries out this to the Lord. Let me hear joy and gladness. Why was he crying this out? Because he had lost it. He knew what it was to have joy. He had experienced it before with the Lord. He had wrote psalms that are, that are full of joy. Your heart cannot help but to explode when you look at Psalm 23 about God being the good shepherd and what he does for us. That's a passage of joy. Robert taught on it not too long ago, didn't you, Robert? But David had lost that because of sin. And so we know that one thing that dampens these fruits of the Spirit in our life, it dampens them and it pushes them down. One thing that does that and it does it very well is sin. It'll even get the Christian doubting whether or not they're truly saved. But, nevertheless, peace... Peace can be stifled, can't can it be? It can be stifled. Sin causes a break in fellowship with the Lord. Do we have peace with God? Do we have peace toward God? And do we have peace with man? Only you can answer that for yourself. I can't. I cannot do that. But for a person that is lost... I can tell you one thing because I've been there. They don't have peace with God. They may outwardly be doing everything right. They may even be good to the core, to the bone, and maybe even do some of these things that you would say, well, you know, that's a pretty good person. But I'm going to tell you something. If you want true peace, it only comes from God. You cannot run away from the turbulent soul that continues to foam at the mouth. You cannot get away from it. It continues to turn over and turn over and turn over. And no matter what look you have on your face, you cannot have peace with God until you surrender yourself unto Him. Amen. Preach it, brother. Preach it. Your heart is going to be tumultuous and it's never going to stop. You might have it all together on the outside. You may look good on the outside. 
but your heart's going to be rumbling on the inside. I've been there. I've done it. Ask yourself the question, do you really have peace with God or are you truly unsettled and restless? If you think about it, it's a scary place to find yourself being unsettled and restless before a holy and a righteous God that will one day inflict wrath on a world of sin. That's a scary place to find ourselves. Do you have peace with Him? Let me give you one more example, and that's patience. I have patience, but I struggle with this one. This is one where I struggle. I want things done now. Now. That's me. Not yesterday. Not 20 minutes later. I want it now, Joanne. Now. That is my heart. Let me give you an example. My children, if I say make... Did y'all hear that? Make? Why? Because I want it now. I struggle with patience. It's a fact. My family knows it. I have it because I can see the Lord showing me little, little niblets of it. <laughs> He's like, good job, Matthew. You did real good with that little bit of patience there you had. But I really really struggle. Let me give you an example. I call the house while I'm out in the garden. Now Casey would tell you, you're a grown man. You should take water out there with you. It's a long walk out there. It's a long walk back in. And when I get my head to the ground, I don't want to stop. She said, you should take water with you. Well, I do take a little bit and I drink it and I'm done. Three hours later, I call Casey's phone. And Selah answers the phone. She answers her mama's phone. Hey, Dad, what you want? Bring me some water. Okay. And she clicks and hangs up. Five minutes later, I still don't have water. (laughs) Not 30 minutes or an hour. Five. Because, see, I'm thinking to myself, I know how long it takes to get my rear end off the couch and to go get a glass, put ice in it, and bring it outside. I know how long that takes. It should take roughly a minute and a half. Y'all can see how I deal with patience? It's hard, okay? It's, it's, it's real. This struggle is real. And so the whole time I'm thinking and I'm thinking and I'm thinking and I'm like, where is she? I'm hoeing. I'm pulling weeds, Nelson, and I'm getting after it. I'm thinking, where is she? Four minutes have gone by. Why is she not here? And then I hear the back door open. And the screen door. Y'all know what the screen door sounds like, the old ones. With the big big spring. And I hear that screen door open. I can't even see her. Because of the corn, I can't see over it, but I can hear the screen door open. And y'all, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to take her 20 seconds to get to me. Then I'll have... This is how my brain works. Does anybody else think like this? 
Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. So I'm thinking to myself, it's going to take her 20 seconds to get here, but if she runs, it'll take her 10. And so I'm thinking, and so I holler out to her, Sailor, make haste! Run to me, baby, I'm, I'm thirsty. Because sure enough, in sailor form, she's doing this with the water. <laughs> and I'm like, I could be dead by the time you get to me. It's been four minutes and 48 seconds. Where are you at? This is the kind of patience that I deal with, that I struggle with. Does anybody feel me on that? Okay, so we understand that everybody has different things that they deal with, right? And there are things that we're stronger in than others. But we're not completely void of them. Like I said, the Lord will reaffirm to me when I exhibit that patience. Sometimes it's in small, very, very small micro forms. (laughs) But nonetheless, it's there and I'm a work in progress. A work in progress. Kindness. By the way, this is my flesh crying out. In patience, when you don't have it, that is your flesh crying out that you're not controlling your flesh. And so it cries out because it needs something. Kindness and goodness, faithful and gentleness, self-control against such... There is no law. There's no law against these. There's no law about how many times that we can use these on other people. There's no law against doing this work. But there is law against sinning against God. And for children of God, it's written on our hearts. Without a doubt. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And this took place when we were saved. Just as Christ Jesus was crucified for us, he experienced that baptism of death. When we trust and surrender, it is us laying down who we are, everything about us, in sincere faith, believing who Jesus is. Crucifying ourselves. In the flesh. And it says that we do this with its passions and with its desires. We know that when we are baptized that this is a pattern. It shows us that we have already done this. And so for the child of God that's walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, but walking, truly walking in the spirit, it is a call to die daily. And it's a call to take up our cross and follow Him daily. It is a call to yield to the Holy Spirit in our life when He speaks to us daily. To walk after Jesus daily. Now from 24, from 24 to 26... Let me just, because I'm finished, but just just bear with me. Let me explain to you what's fixing to happen here in the next part of this passage. Now that we've went through the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, you need to understand something. That means that you're special. 
That means that you have something that the world doesn't have. It means that you have something that those that are practicing the law don't even have. And it also means that we need to be careful because we have something nobody else has. We need to be careful not to become conceited. We need to be careful not to think of ourselves more highly than what we ought to think, understanding where we came from in the past. And so from 24 to 26, and then from chapter 6, 1 through 6, you're going to see where these fruits of the, this fruit of the Spirit is played out in a person's life amongst others. And Paul does that very elegantly in this text. Listen to what he says in 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So it goes from the fruits of the Spirit here to other people. And then in chapter 6, 1 through 6, I'm going to read it and then I'm done. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You see what he's saying? You see what he's showing us here? Here comes gentleness right here. We have an opportunity to use gentleness. We have an opportunity to exercise our gentleness. Keep watch on yourself. There's self-control. Lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. And so as we get into chapter 6, 1 through 6, and further on, as Paul closes out this letter to the church, he is, he is speaking to them and showing them how to exercise these fruit of the, this fruit of the Spirit uh, on behalf of those that are around them. So, what's the moral of the story? I'll tell you. Examine your heart. Plain and simple. Do you have the Spirit or do you not have the Spirit? As cut and dry as I could make it. Do you or do you not have the Spirit of God living inside? Have you made peace with God? I've heard a lot of people say that on their deathbeds. I've made peace with God. I've made peace with God. They've lived a whole life of hell. But all of a sudden, I've made peace with God. I ask you the question. And I'm not saying that that's not legit. I'm asking the question. Have you made peace with God? 
Do you have that joy? Do you have that self-control? Do you have that patience? Or are you completely void of it? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for...